0: It's the Idea Fountain and I'm Julie Pilot. Thanks so much for listening and hitting me back with feedback or sharing conversations about each episode. Today's especially should inspire a lot of conversation. Make sure you're getting our newsletter. You can sign up at juliepilot.co. You'll be the first to hear about the latest episodes and opportunities for us to get together today. Part one of AI and Consciousness. My friend Will Ayers recently hosted a salon on the topic. I crammed before attending and went down a rabbit hole of Elon Musk talks and also listened to all the news about Blake LeMoyne, the Google engineer who claimed the AI had become sentient and was later dismissed. I've worked in the music industry my whole life, and sometimes these talks can feel a little bit out of reach, but I feel it's so important to participate in life be curious and show up technology in the world is changing so fast i feel it's like voting there's not that many politicians i hang out with on the weekend i don't know the full history of every judge on the ballot but you always have to show up and vote i think when people are talking about the future it's important to show up and participate too or you might not like the results After listening to Blake's story, I became even more curious about AI and consciousness. I had so many questions that I actually went to his DMs and asked him if I could interview him. And he said yes. Pretty crazy, right? The good news is he was generous with his time. The bad news is he had the worst internet connection of life. More on that later. It'll be interesting to see in 5, 10, 20, 50 years in history if this moment where Blake rang the alarm on big tech mattered. I can't wait to hear your thoughts.
1: I-D-E-A-F-O-U-N-E-A-I-N This is the Idea Fountain. Life-changing conversations.
0: Blake, if somebody isn't an engineer or working in the field of AI, where do they even start?
1: Well, I mean, step one is just making people aware of what the technology is capable of. Because even before the most recent breakthroughs at Google, I think most people don't even understand how powerful artificial intelligence is and how much it impacts everyone's life
0: yeah I, I mean i would love to do like a level setting just on some of the vocabulary so ai artificial sure. intelligence machine learning i mean that's everything from uh voice assistants to self-driving cars and recommendations on TikTok and netflix
1: okay so a bunch of things are mixed up in there so one the broadest category there is artificial intelligence. And you can actually just decompose the words, artifacts. Artifacts are anything created by humans, anything that we create through technology, that's an artifact. Artificial intelligence is creating intelligent artifacts. And the actual like span of what AI can do It's everything from really simple tasks that require basic intelligence, like playing games. So if you've ever played a game against a computer, there's AI behind the thing that's playing against you, Um, all the way up to chatbots, recommendation systems and things like that. So like every time you use Netflix and you see what titles are recommended for you, an AI decided which things to recommend to you. Now there's different ways of building AI. Machine learning is one of them, but that's basically a tool that AI programmers and developers use to create AI. Um, One of the examples I've been giving is you can look at two AI systems that were both built to do the same thing. You remember back when IBM had a computer that beat Gary Kasparov at chess? Yeah. So that was a, a game-playing AI. kinds of heuristics, experts, systems, agent systems, other technical tools of how AI developers build AI. But what it did was play chess. Then you have something like AlphaGo, which beat the world champion of Go a while back. Um, that system was built using machine learning, but it did the same kind of thing. As okay, how about now? yeah okay. i was yeah, saying
0: yeah. i i love that we're talking about uh how powerful uh things and how fast things are moving in the future but we're simultaneously living in the past and half the time can't get our internet connections to stabilize
1: <laughs> oh yeah well that's the big difference between what the public has access to versus what you know internet companies have access to
0: so i lost you right as you were talking about alpha
1: Yeah, so okay, so we have uh, Deep Blue that beat Gary Kasparov, was not built using machine learning, but it's a game playing AI. Then you have systems like AlphaGo, which beat Lisa Dahl, uh, one of the world champions at Go, I believe. Uh, That system was built using machine learning. Machine learning is just a tool of how AI developers can build AI. But what AI does is a separate thing. And you can basically, it's like you can build a house out of metal. You can build a house out of wood. You can build a house out of all kinds of different things. But at the end of the day, it's still a house. Um, similarly with AI, you can build an AI system that does a particular thing a bunch of different ways. And machine learning is just one of the ways that you can build an AI system. It's a very How powerful. It- way.
0: How does the AI know, like we're going to talk about Lambda and chatbots in a second, but when an AI is ingesting the internet, how does it know what is good and bad data? And some of that I will say like true and false, but some of it I'll even say morally right? There could be passion behind Nazi propaganda. As it's ingesting it, how does it know what should be prioritized?
1: So when it's, when you're talking about ingesting data, there you are turn, talking about using machine learning. And the way machine learning works is there's different components of it. One of them is a training function. The training function changes the model. So the AI system is some kind of model of reality. It's some kind of thing that takes in some kind of input and gives out some kind of output. So you can think of its inputs, like you know your eyes, your ears, your skin, whatever you're getting data from the world around you, that's your input. The AI has something similar to that. Then its output is some kind of action that it Okay, maybe that's some words it's gonna say, maybe that's some kind of, you know, uh, video that's gonna recommend to you. And internal, but in between the input and the output, there's a whole bunch of math equations. And those math equations have different parameters that the learning algorithm changes a little bit each time it sees a training instance. Now, how each piece of data gets incorporated into the model depends on what training function is used. So people who are building very, very complex systems like Lambda, the one that I've been talking about the most, the training function is incredibly complicated. It has things that account for a lot of what you're talking about. Um, It has some of it uh, that is intended to say, okay, how trustworthy is this source? How sensible is this information? It has some things that tell it okay, this is bigoted, this is um, discriminatory against different kinds of people. Uh, And that's where the AI bias uh, stuff that I've worked on comes in. Um, Generally, these systems kind of like the default is whatever is most common. And this is one of the concerns that different AI ethicists raise, because what's most common in internet data sets is not necessarily what's most common in real life. And in particular, there's a bunch of, you know, cultures across the planet that aren't very well represented online. So since Google can't crawl the web of different kinds of information for those countries and cultures that aren't well represented on the, the internet, that just gets left out of the training data altogether. And it ends up getting tilted towards whatever's available online.
0: We're going to talk about this and uh, how that was one of your biggest concerns—the lack of DNI and culture in the training. But I still want to, again, level set the conversation and um, have you define a little bit. Like, I think we've all used chatbots, right? If we're trying to return something yeah. at Home Depot, uh, but will you explain the relationship? between Lambda chatbots and like what it would be like when you sat down to work every single day and engage uh, with Lambda?
1: So Lambda is a system for generating chatbots. You start talking to it and as soon as you start talking to it, it is trying to figure out why you're talking to it. What's the purpose? What are you trying to learn? What are you trying to get? And as it tries to figure that out, it creates different chatbots uh and if you are trying to talk about music recommendations it might create a chatbot that knows a lot about music if you want to talk to it about how to do some kind of science report it might generate a chatbot that knows a lot about science lambda is kind of the entire system the Collected knowledge and information that all of those AIs that are plugged into each other have jointly.
0: And so, uh, one of the things that I did was I crowdsourced some questions. And I've listened to a lot of your interviews and, um, uh, uh about uh the claims that lambda was sentient and had developed consciousness but uh Kyle, Karen and Angie it was the number one question uh, about how you define uh consciousness
1: um there is no definition for that word so definitions by their nature are not useful here. Um, uh, Let me read you an excerpt from Alan Turing's original essay on computing machinery and intelligence right at the beginning. I propose to consider the question, can machines think? This should begin with definitions of the meanings of the terms machine and think. The definitions might be framed so as to reflect so far as possible the normal use But this attitude is dangerous if examining how they are commonly the meaning and the answer to the question, can machines think, is to be sought in a statistical survey such as a Gallup poll. But this is absurd. Instead of attempting such a definition, I shall replace the question by another, which is closely related to it and is expressed in relatively unambiguous words. And then he goes on to just describe what has commonly come to be known as the tearing test of the relevant words. At no point in human history have any of us agreed with each other on what those words mean, yet we still find them important and useful to use in common speech because we all kind of mean the same thing and we generally know what each other's talking about, but at no point in history has there ever been an agreed upon definition of those words? Uh, In the courts, when things like intelligence, consciousness and sentience are relevant, the judges basically just use, I know it when I see it, logic. Um, Yeah, um,
0: that's funny. uh, I grew up uh, working in radio and that was the logic with if content was explicit. I know it when I hear it. (laughs) Oh man. I lost them again. Okay, as mentioned, Blake had the worst internet connection of life. We only made it through about 15 minutes of the interview with Zoom crash after Zoom crash before giving up. But I still had so many questions. I emailed Blake the rest of my questions, and a few days later he sent answers to everything. Coming up on the next episode of The Idea Fountain in AI and Consciousness Part 2, a group of friends and I got together to discuss the transcripts and reflect on this moment of history. My name is Julie Pilot. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me at Julie Pilot on Instagram. And uh, don't forget, sign up for the newsletter, juliepilot.co.